Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Hello, welcome along to Robins on the Wire. Myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. We've got lots of your questions on Twitter to get to later on. So if you've tweeted us with them, uh, just have a listen out for your name later on. There's some things you want to get onto, like the season ticket prices. And also January recruitment is something that's come up a couple of times as well. So we're talking about that. Uh, Have the playoff places gone now for Bristol City? Or are they very much still alive? The international break coming up as well. But first, Gregor, let's start by talking about the sixth, you tell me, the sixth nil-nil draw of the season is that some sort of record uh, they've perhaps made one at Burton an unwanted record I'd imagine at the weekend yeah, I certainly feel like I've seen my uh, fair share <laughs> of uh, stalemates this season and it wasn't a, a very good game up at um, the Pirelli Stadium and certainly the 1700 Robins fans who went along will uh, agree with that so uh, yeah, but there are a few positives. The club mentioned these and um, certainly Lloyd Kelly's performance was one. We'll come on to that. Um, the clean sheet is, an, is a welcome one. And um, yeah, they didn't lose, did they? So yeah, they're still in the mix by my reckoning. Just about hanging on. But Well, yeah. Burton are, are a frustrating team to play against because it was 0-0 earlier in the season when they played them as well at Ashton Gate. Was it a case of Bristol City not creating enough? I mean, obviously solid enough defensively, but... Definitely, definitely didn't create enough. There were very few chances. I think they only maybe had a, two shots on target all game. The, the only chance of note I can really remember is um, Famara Adiju almost scoring from Lloyd Kelly's cross. Um, Bobby Reed was kept quiet. Um, <clears throat> I thought Jamie Patterson looked lively in the first half. He had loads of space on the left wing. He kept cutting in. He was looking dangerous. Um, Brownie, Josh Brownie didn't have his best game, but um, we'll let we'll let him off that. Yeah, and I heard that he like came off the pitch and like apologised. Lee Johnson said. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, it, it wasn't too bad by any by any stretch. It's just um, yeah, for some reason, um, City really couldn't create anything, and there are a few reasons for that. The pitch was pretty terrible and Burton did play really well defensively defensively sound and did they park the bus they no they didn't really I mean they they just out hustled Bristol mm. City especially in the first half City probably finished the stronger um and yeah they they just they they did all right in the in uh, playing out from the back they actually played some really nice moves from Frank Field in playing goal kicks out to the two split center backs playing it through midfield through Pack and Smith and got it got it wide um especially second half when Lee switched things up they got it to the two wing backs and Lloyd Kelly actually had two or three of the best positions of the game but they just couldn't create anything from there the stuff nothing went right in the final third there was no link up play between any of the guys up front um it was a bit odd to see and i think you've got to give credit to burton they did defend well um it's just the some of the circumstances such as burton have got a few injury problems themselves and they also lost two players to injury during the game so it kind of felt like city have got such a great opportunity to get three points today and unfortunately they couldn't do it and afterwards just before we move on to Lloyd Kelly you spoke to Nigel Clough who's one of the most softly spoken managers in the championship isn't he but you've got a great story and you told me there was a dog in it so you've got to share it <laughs> yeah where's Barney um, <laughs> yeah I, 
Nigel Clough's a bit of a hero for me, but um, yeah, uh, the guys there were telling me about how Nigel normally brings his dog to his um, press conferences, which I thought you... What? Were, oh my gosh, what sort of dog? He's got um, a Vizsla, I think, if you pronounce wow. that correctly, it's a Hungarian type. Oh yeah, um, they're quite big, Yeah, I think. and um, he, he brings it to the press conference, and he even, apparently, after some matches, takes it around the pitch, walks it around the pitch... No way! Uh, after, ...after games as well, and in fact... I have not seen this, and I've done both in a few <laughs> times this season. And in fact, at the press conference on... On Saturday, um, it, Nigel came in and he, he spoke to us and he said, sorry guys, I've got to get away because I've got some friends down for the weekend and I've got to get back for the dog. Oh, Nigel, I think you've just cemented your place as my favourite manager in the Championship. You see, he is a good man. And Lloyd Kelly then, a, re- a real positive from this game. Well, by the way, just on that Josh Brownhill thing, I really like that a player comes up and holds his hand up and said, you know, that wasn't my best game. I think that's a real good quality to have. Um, But yeah, Lloyd Kelly, there was some speculation about whether he'd go out on loan in January. We know it was talked about. Obviously, didn't happen. And he's had a great game. Yeah, definitely. It was discussed and uh, I think it might have been a case of either him or Zach Viner goes out and Zach obviously has gone to Plymouth and doing well. But yeah, I mean, Lloyd Kelly was the the biggest plus from that for, um, for me and... Yeah, he played brilliantly at Watford um, earlier this season. I thought he was fantastic in the Carabao Cup. And he scored, um, didn't he? Yeah, he scored against Reading on Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. Um, great performance then. And uh, we got to speak to him after the match then. That was, that was good. And um, yeah, I, I actually thought he was City's best player. And there's a few um, other things I've seen saying Eros Pizzano was Bristol City's man of the match. Well, he possibly was, but if it wasn't him, then it was definitely Lloyd Kelly. And um, I... I really rate Lloyd so highly He's he really has got it all and um, I think um, basically Bristol City have got another top top player coming through the ranks there do you, do, What do you think it's like for a young player like Lloyd Kelly you know he plays well against Watford doesn't really get in the team then he scores on Boxing Day and he must be thinking okay this is my chance I've scored I've come on I've made an impact uh, obviously you don't need to be scoring that many goals from full back but then he's had to wait what sort of three months for his next opportunity and he's grabbed it with both hands so surely now he has to start against Ipswich at the weekend I would put him in <laughs> here we go I would put him in over Horde and Magnuson <laughs> yeah. I know you love Horde and Magnuson <laughs> you're deliberately uh, winding up yes <laughs> uh, yeah no I, I agree I think Lloyd Kelly deserves more minutes and um, I know Lee um, has said previously this season that his line is that the, the Bristol City shirt is a heavy shirt to wear um, and you're going to be judged on your performances in the shirt and there's ex- expectation to do well um, and Lloyd's done that so yeah I would certainly hope to see him given more time and maybe we're going to see that towards the end of the season um, he, he did brilliantly on the weekend and yeah he's done it he's done well every performance so yeah maybe he is going to come in um, and maybe it would be wise to look to the longer term and give him a few more minutes. I have to say that, and I've, I have written about this before, but if worst case scenario in the summer, um, Bristol City didn't go up and Joe Bryan mm. went elsewhere, I don't think City fans need fear that much because I honestly think Lloyd Kelly is going to be a, a top class act. I should, um, should caveat that by saying that obviously he needs to keep his head down, work hard and, and keep progressing as he's been doing. But if he... If he stays on that line of development, he is going to be, in my opinion, possibly better. So, Okay, with all due respect to the Championship and all due respect to Bristol City's chances of promotion, well, playoffs, playoff places at least, if they don't make them, let's say it's off the cards in three or four games' time, is that a chance then to give these younger players a run-out for the final few games? 
Yeah, it is, but I, <laughs> we're going to... And I mean that with all due respect to Lloyd Kelly, because he's just played an important game on Saturday, and he's played because of the suspension of Joe Bryan and Aidan Flint being out and, and players being injured and what have you. It is, but let's... We can't... Um, I, Bristol City are still in the mix. Um, they can easily make the playoffs um, if they can get on this run. So could Lloyd so, Kelly then be a key player in that running? Yeah. Rather I, I, than just someone that yeah, just gives players around? Yeah, I do. I think he's good enough. I, I honestly think he's he's one of City's... He was definitely one of City's better, better players on Saturday, and he mm. has been before. So I think, yeah, get him in there. Give, give him more time. He deserves it. He's playing better and, than other players. And, and you start him on Saturday ahead of Magnussen? And Magnuson came on at the weekend and he did really well at centre back. Um, remember, he was no part mistakes. of a yeah, no mistakes, part of a clean sheet. Um, I'm not saying that Horder should definitely start. Um, I do think he's he's probably maybe just um, the thing with Horder Magnuson. If you eliminated his mistakes, he'd be a very good player. Yes, yes. Um, uh, he's obviously most people would agree not ahead of um, Aidan Flint or Nathan Baker but um, it's a squad game isn't it you need squad players so what's going on with Nathan Baker is he going to be fit for the weekend um, we asked the club yesterday and obviously um, the message was that he's going to be carefully monitored over the next few days ah, and standard yeah it's it's a it's a strange one that did you see Lee Johnson after the... he said he's sick of seeing him hobbling yeah have to be careful. I'm not sure if he made it specifically about Nathan Baker. Maybe so. Maybe he's maybe seeing he his players hobbling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God, they've been unfortunate. <laughs> they they haven't, and I know where he's coming from because actually, by the end of the game, Lloyd Kelly was down with cramp. Uh, Marlon Pack had just gone into like a huge fifty-fifty, came out limping. Uh, Nathan Baker had hobbled off at half-time. Eros Pizzano, which to be fair to him, he's only just come back, mm. played the full ninety minutes, and bless him, the sort of like, last five minutes he could barely walk. He was <sighs> trudging back from midfield to get back into defence. I felt for him. Um, so yeah, I understand where Lee's coming from with that. Um, it is the case they've got players coming back, but yeah, they got uh, it's good because they've got a strong squad, maybe at the right time, and hopefully. It'll bear fruit over the next few weeks. Okay, let's let's get to the nitty gritty then. There is so little momentum right now. The form is not good. Going into the international break like this, I, mean, I think the international break for Bristol City comes at a great time. You know, if they win on Saturday, it's great timing because at least they'll be going in with with that bounce and that positivity. Not many players go away during the international break. I know there's a few that do, but um, I just feel at the moment after last night, Tuesday night. Bristol City needed Sheffield United to slip up, which they did not. Bristol City now dropped below Sheffield United into eighth, three points and two places off the playoffs. I mean, has it gone? I, I just got a sinking feeling. It's uh, yeah, delicate situation at the moment because um, I actually don't feel that City are out of the running, obviously for the top six. But they're well, not, they're not. They're not. They're not out of the running either to finish bottom half either. If you look at um, how the teams are bunching up below them, even Millwall, mm. who are tenth, Ipswich, Ipswich themselves, who are twelfth. If they win, they're only three points behind Bristol City at the weekend. So it's all to play for. And uh, Jamie McAllister was saying yesterday about how um, the club is actually looking at this um, in terms of uh, it's an exciting end to the season because they are in the mix and they are. Let's forget about everything that's happened before. They've still got a chance of making the top six. I do agree. I think they must win this weekend. If they don't, then yeah, it's gone for me, top six. Because of the other fixtures, yeah. the way the other clubs are shaping up, I think it's beyond, it'll be on be beyond them. But I think if they can win against Ipswich, you're right, they have that break for the international... Um, fixtures they can regroup come back and they'll be in a good position Easter weekend's massive isn't it yeah they'll, they'll be um, they'll be in a position where if they put a run together they'll they'll be in there 
got to put a run together, though. And, and this form at the moment is relegation form. Yeah, it's not because of the points they've accrued before Christmas. But since Christmas, you know, if they hadn't collected all the points they had before, they'd be really struggling. Yeah, I mean, the positive is, though, that this time last year they were losing games. This time, if you look at most of the fixtures, they've mostly been draws. They just love a draw at the moment. Yeah, so (laughs) I think there's only a couple of teams who've had more draws in the division this, this season. So... Yeah, if they could turn those draws into wins, then they'd be right in there. And it is fine margins. Well, Bristol Dowboy has tweeted us. He says, if we don't finish in the playoffs at the end of the season, it will be a big disappointment, especially as being in the top six since the end of September. Why are people saying, well, we would have taken this at the start of the season? He said, we missed a huge chance in the January window. It was a shambles. Wow. Some strong strong words there from uh, Bristol Dowboy 1 on Twitter. I can hear what he's saying about... I, I agree with him when people say, oh, we would have taken this at the start of the season. And I'm not, I'm not a Bristol City fan, so you know, I don't, I don't want to speak on behalf of the fans, and that's something that I'd never want to do. But I would imagine... I mean, I've, I've got a few friends that are Bristol City fans um, living locally. Now, my next-door neighbour, you know, he, he really feels that it would be a disappointment if, if they didn't make it. But then I've got another friend, and she's like, oh, no, mid-table's OK, we would have taken that. So it does seem quite split, but... Come on, if you're supporting a team that's been in the top six for most of the season and they don't make it, that's a massive disappointment. It is, it is, yeah. I mean, I'm sympathetic because obviously football has this way of just kicking you when you're down and we've seen it so many times away, teams falling away. But, um, yeah, I mean, the realistic thing is that at the, at the start of the season, the club said they'd be happy to finish in the top half. They do look at the moment like they're going to do that. Um, and yeah, people are just being sucked into the way that it's, it's transpired. Um, but the way it's transpired is the season, and they have a right to be sucked in. Yeah, because yeah. they've had the you know it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I I think it's an interesting point about January. If 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 City could have found the player to make the difference, and we've all been hoping that Lois Gioni would be this guy, and he could still be. He scored obviously his first. Goal yesterday in a behind closed doors game against Cheltenham, and um, yeah, so maybe maybe that's going to give him that little bit of confidence to mm. go out and make a difference. But Bristol Dalboy also said Mr. Huge Chance in the January window was a shambles. Now I thought we thought coming off the back of the January transfer window it was a good window because they kept hold of Aidan Flint, they kept hold of Joe Bryan, they kept hold of Bobby Reed, and brought in these three new signings in, in Ryan Kent, who you know we thought would be really promising, Maisie Winger plenty of tricks up his sleeves, Lewis Johnny and Liam Walsh. Now, I think that is a good window. I don't think it's the window that was the problem. I think it's the players not performing. Yeah, I agree to, with that to an extent. I think, like many of Bristol City's signings, the guys brought in were, were brought in with a look to the long term. They're building over the years, which means supporters are going to have to be patient. Now, people are pointing out to me the difference, um, the different signings um, that Cardiff made, and I think a lot of people are envious at the moment, aren't they, of this run that Cardiff have put together? Seven they, wins in a row in the yeah, championship. Yeah, and they, they look like they're going to go up, and even even top spot doesn't look beyond That's them. It's incredible, isn't it? But I would say, look at them. I'm, I'm not saying Cardiff has spent loads of money, but they have spent more than Bristol City, and it's not necessarily the transfer fees; it's the wages and. Bristol City have said that their philosophy is going to be, and Lee Johnson has specifically pointed to this, that it's going to be 
um, more value signings from abroad, uh, signings from the lower leagues and young players. They're not going to buy and bring in established players, unfortunately. That means that signings coming in are going to take a long time to bed in uh, or they're going to be gambles. Uh, Lois Dioni is a bit of a gamble in a, in a respect. In some respects, um, so yeah, we're going to have to be patient and see these guys come through. But that is the way they're going to build it. That's what they've decided is the path, right pathway ahead for them. And I think the club should be um, applauded for. Lois, journey on, on on this behind the closed, uh, behind closed doors friendly, easy to say, against Cheltenham uh, scored. What was the score in that game? Four three. Jamie McAllister wouldn't tell me what the score was yesterday in the press conference, but um, I understand um, that it was four three to Bristol City. Yes. So. Lewis Johnny, do we know how many he scored? He got one, Milan Juric got two, oh, good. and Nicholas Eliasson got the fourth one. Well, that brings me on, we'll just come back to Johnny in a minute, that brings me on to this. Uh, Matt Moore has tweeted us saying, will the returning injured players be arriving back too late to make sixth spot? I'm the eternal optimist until it's mathematical. So, uh, you mentioned Milan Juric there, you know, he's obviously been coming back from injury. How key could he be? I mean, let's just say from our issues, he's having a terrible game and he comes comes on and links up with Bobby Reid. Is, is he one we should watch? What about Callum O'Dowder? Where is he? Milan, yeah, we got a chance to speak to him yesterday and um, he made uh, a couple of uh, interesting points, I thought, about City's form. Yeah, I hope uh, I finish very good this season, maybe with a uh, playoff, because uh, I think we deserve this position, uh, this top six, and uh, work hard this summer for... For, for back fit 100% for the pre-season for, and, uh, and ready for the next season. Yeah, I think we we, des- we deserve this because we stay five, six months in the top six. We play a really good football. Uh, we have an unbelievable uh, rank-up. And uh, now, in this last period, it's, uh, it's a little bit hard with that for us because uh, so much injuries, uh, so much games. Uh, it's not easy for, for, for every team in the championship because the championship have... It's really difficult, and uh, but uh, we need to stay to stay strong these uh, these two months, these nine games for for back in this back in this uh, top six and uh, and play playoffs and the playoffs is uh, a roulette. So that's Jurich, and do you think he can feature at the weekend? Then you know he's been coming back from injury. Yeah, um, Lee likes him, doesn't he? As the as the plan B option, and he is such a physical guy. You never quite appreciate how big the players are when until you meet them. And he's so tall; he's six foot six and a half. Isn't wow! He? And so uh, Peter Crouch. Yeah, exactly. He's he's huge, and he he did offer a real physical option against Burton at the weekend. Showed some nice turns, and yeah, he could be a real asset for the for the uh, running. And Callum O'Dowder. Oh, how good would he be to have back? Callum O'Dowder. Yeah, that that was odd actually. Um, when we finished the press conference yesterday, Callum O'Dowder came in to the press conference actually with the physio, Steve Allen, and um, he, he looked to be in good spirits. He was walking fine and everything. Um, I did ask Jamie McAllister for an update on him and um, apparently he's returned to um, training on the grass and he's been um, doing full speed training and changes of direction, but he's not quite ready for full contact training. That'll come next. So he's not basically he's not too far away. After the international break, maybe? I would have thought so, yeah. What, what an asset he'd be to have back. So do, you, do you think these players can be back in time is, is what we're asking? Basically, I think everyone, possibly Matty Taylor might be the only one who might not be, um, but even him, I'm expecting all of them back after the Ipswich game. Wow. And if that comes into fruition, then... 
It can full, be massive. Full strength squad at the right time of the season. It's almost as if <laughs> Talk it's about leaving it at the last minute. Yeah. Um, I also want to ask you about what Daniel Healy said on Twitter. So you said, is this the start of the Lewis Juni renaissance after he scored yesterday? Well, Daniel Healy said he'll never score for us again. Remember this tweet. Let's, let's just make sure he scores at the weekend now, just for Daniel. Um, we don't know how he played yesterday. It's behind closed doors, so obviously we don't see it. Is he the real deal? Is he going to come good this season, Lewis Juni? We, we've not seen it so far, unfortunately. Um, I think we're all hoping that he will be. Um, I think just sometimes his touches, you're like, it looks like he's playing with a beach ball. <laughs> we've, I don't know, we've seen a few glimpses here and there of his speed and his hold-up play has got a little bit better and he certainly looks like he, he can cope with the intensity more and more. Every time I watch him, he seems to be adapting to that more. But, yeah, there's a long way to go. He just does still look so short confidence to me. OK, shortly we'll be talking about season ticket prices and uh, hopefully you've got some info on that for us, Gregor. But first, let's look ahead then to Ipswich at the weekend. Last game before the international break. So they're going to have uh, almost two weeks off after this before the Good Friday game, which is against Barnsley away. So looking at Ipswich and looking at team selection, Gregor, I know you, you caught with Jamie McAllister and he gave his thoughts on a certain player, didn't he? He did, yeah. I asked him about Hoarding Magnussen because obviously there's been a few people criticising him online uh, um, and so on. And um, yeah, I don't think he's been too bad and there's still more potential there and I think Jamie agrees with me. Well, again, it's about opinions on it. Everyone's got different opinions. I think Maggie's a great player. He's been at the World Cup in the summer uh, with Iceland. Um, and I think when he plays, he's always steady, Eddie. He does, he does his job as a defender well and makes good decisions on the pitch. And as you see on Saturday, um, when he came on, he was very aggressive in the air and kept it simple and then um, he looks a good player when he does that what I would say about Horton Magnusson is what I said before if he eliminated the mistakes from his game he'd be a very very good defender because he's quite good with the ball at his feet he's got a good cross on him he's got that brilliant long throw in and obviously Iceland rate him massively so do you think he'll start on Saturday? Um, depends if Nathan Baker makes it it sounds like Baker won't so yeah I would, would have thought Magnusson might play in the middle then with Bailey Wright and yes we might see Lloyd Kelly again then at left back and then Pisano on the other side. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the defence sorted. Midfield. I mean, Corey Smith and Marlon Pack must be shattered. Yes, I, I, I was surprised that maybe Gary O'Neill didn't get a few minutes um, at the weekend against Burton. Um, I'm not sure he was actually in the squad for, for that game in the end. But um, yeah, he's certainly won for the middle there. Maybe Liam Walsh, who apparently played well yesterday as well. Mm. So yeah, one of those two guys wouldn't be surprised if they come in and freshen things up a bit. And on the wings, uh, Pato on one side? Yeah, th- these guys pick themselves for me. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, I pointed out that, um, that um, I sort of collated the, the, the minutes per goal or assist for the whole Robin squad. And um, do you know who's got the best goals per minutes ratio? In, in terms of assists as well? Uh, no, actually, just we'll start on goals. Oh, just uh, goals. Well, I don't minutes ma- per goal. Oh, so amount of time spent on the pitch? Yeah. Shizu? No, that's a good one, yeah, because he uh, was injured for a while. Yeah. Bobby Reid obviously would be the obvious answer. Yeah, but he's had so long on the pitch, yeah. he's played pretty much every game. Corley Woodrow. No way! Yeah. <laughs> Why? Two goals in 330 minutes so far. So um, he doesn't yeah, that, get a six, does he? At the moment, I know. Him. And somebody said, somebody said to me, "It's too small sample size," which is a good point. But then I look back at his time at Burton last season, and mm. it's not too different, you know. So I do wonder, maybe he should have given be given a bit more time. Mm, okay. So uh, are you thinking Jim Patterson on one, and maybe Josh Brownhill on the other? Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's the midfield sorted. So up front, are you saying that Corley Woodrow should be given a run out? I mean, surely now's not the time to rest players before an international break, is no, it? No, no, you've got to go with the, the two main men up there um, and you've got Jurich to come on and maybe Corley Woodrow could be uh, worth looking at if Bobby retires. OK, and in terms of sort of bringing on players, the bench is, is looking much different now because you haven't got the likes of Aidan Flint starting because of that suspension. Joe Bryan still out. So, impact subs, are you thinking Milan Juric? Yeah, Milan Juric did a good job at Burton and um, obviously Lewis Juni, the uh, Renaissance man. <laughs> the Renaissance man. We'll see. I'm looking forward to re- recording next week's podcast and discussing this. Before we go then, we must talk about season tickets because it's something we talked about two weeks ago when we spoke to the club about it and the various things they're doing uh, and... I've got a tweet here from Alan Payne who said the massive hike in the season ticket prices on the back of a lucrative cut run and higher than anticipated attendances. They are taking advantage of the loyal fans. She agreed, failed to consult properly with their own fan group. Uh, Kate then said, agree, we cannot all find that money in one go so quickly. So... Season ticket-wise, we, we did talk about this two weeks ago and we know there are some good things in there, you know, and they did decide to relocate some bits that, that they went back on some bits, didn't they, in the Lansdowne stand? And, and Yeah, they, so obviously they released the season uh, ticket prices update um, that was done in conjunction with the FAN group, um, but obviously a lot of supporters were unhappy with the price um, changes. Um, we, we should be fair and point out that some sections, uh, the prices were frozen and even went down, but um, there were also other sections where the prices went up very much. Uh, the main contention was probably the Lansdowne Lower, where, yes, the, um, yeah. where there were no concessions for uh, children. Um, and then obviously the uh, Bristol City Supporters Club and Trust, who I've spoken to recently, um, met with the club and there was um, a cons- some discussion of the uh, season tickets then um, and the club then announced that um, obviously they were going to introduce the concessions uh, for children in the Lansdowne Lower which I think is great yeah. they've done that it's still quite um, a considerable price rise however you, you have to look at the context here and they were charging 50 quid for an entire season which with a free shirt with a free for, shirt for a which kid, is ludicrously right? good I mean it t- isn't, isn't like a shirt like 40 quid mm, yes exactly so then, yeah, and then they have risen. I think that, um, some have gone up to 150 quid. So, yes, technically that is, that, that is a big jump. But at the same time, I don't think you can keep those prices ludicrously low forever, basically. Mm. So I do have some sympathy for both sides. There has been um, another uh, meeting between the club and the Sports Club and Trust, but that was just uh, the regular monthly catch-up. But the agenda, I um, was told, was all about the season card prices. Um, I was under uh, under the impression that the club might be considering um, a couple of minor alterations, such as um, extending the deadline and maybe looking at the... um, uh, the way um, dis- uh, disabled people would be uh, purchasing tickets. However, that hasn't come to fruition just yet. There might might be something, might not be. Um, we- we'll watch uh, this space. Um, and yeah, there is still obviously a lot of anger among supporters at um, the-, the rising prices. And we should point out um, really across the entire ground, because obviously it's all very um, well and good if you're in the Lansdowne Low and you've got kids because that's now changed. However, if you're in the Dolman, it doesn't help you, does it? So, yes, and there are large... We can't get away from the fact there are large price increases there. So... I think people people are... I know the price thing, I hear that, but also, you know, you think about a family that's sat in the Dolman 
stand since the 70s and their kids have sat there and then their kids have sat there and they sit with all their friends. Well, some will stay and they'll pay the extra, but some won't stay and they move to a different stand so they won't be with their friends. Yes, absolutely. It's not... You know, football isn't just about the football match, is it? Football is about going along... Completely empathise. ...with your friends, with your sons, your daughters, your wife, your partner, whatever... And it's being part of a community in that stand. It, it is, and yes, I mean, it should really, in my opinion, be limited. There should be an, a, a, an amount that the club agrees to um, uh, increase season ticket prices by. But I also do see it from the, the club's point of view that but they are a business. business. Yeah. A lot of fans have pointed this out, that they need the money, because otherwise, if you don't make the money, you're not going to be able to keep your best players. They're going to have to be selling players anyway. And if you look at the last accounts that were released, what, at the end of last year, January, then basically the club is still not running at a sustainable level. It's basically propped up by Steve Lansdowne's finance. So they've got to look at changing that around in the long term. Um uh, woe betide if anything happened to Steve, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. but um, yeah, by the same token, they've got to do this in a in a in a justified and um, and a sensible manner. So, they, I'm hopeful that there will be a middle ground found. Um, and yeah, maybe probably my only point to the club is that I think they really should engage with the fans more. They have been doing that, which is they great. did say. Well, from what we understand, they did consult with with the fans following conversations with the fans is what we understood had happened yeah I'm not too sure how extended that was I mean I'm not going to lie I don't have the full details on that but um, from my understanding is it wasn't maybe as as widely um, undertaken as as you might as you might initially think Um, certainly I don't think the supporters club and trust agree with that and um, my understanding is that maybe some of the proposals that basically Bristol City have come in and they explained um, would have been more accepted if the club had announced this at an earlier date that they were going to bring in these these, um, certain price hikes or um, explaining that some sections were going to be realigned to match other championship clubs Mm -hmm. so maybe there's a communication issue to there to an extent maybe we we don't know that for sure but but in fairness to the club as well you can't keep everyone happy it's, it's a very difficult thing so if we hear anything more on that uh, Gregor will get back to us uh, next week okay Bristol City then have been named Southwest Checker Trade Community Club of the Year as part of the 2018 EFL Awards over the last week you may or may not have heard about this but Gregor went along to the South Bristol Sports Centre to hear about some of the terrific work going on there and here he is talking to the centre's executive director Ben Ferris. We've gone from something that was a, a derelict rundown facility, probably would have been not down turning into housing. We created a charity which is not for profit, so every penny that's spent here has to be reinvested into the facilities for its sustainability aspirations. And we've we now have approximately four thousand people that use the site a week, and that could be from anything from the pictures that we're walking around now, which is predominantly a children's-based development programmes and things, and then in the evenings it can be adult football leagues and so forth. But then we've got other facilities internally, which is, is really diverse as well in terms of what sort of things we offer. We're here to provide facilities for not just local community, but further and beyond, and it's worked well. But uh, It sounds like a, a sustained period of success, really, over that 10 years as well. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, it's, it's, it's had its challenges in terms of... Um, getting people to be aware of what we do here and what things we offer. As I said, it's quite diverse, so these pictures will have community development programmes, but also adult football leagues and things of that nature. But then similarly, we've got a lot of other facilities that uh, internally people 
not necessarily aware of. So getting people to be aware of those facilities over that period is um, has been been good fun, but a challenge in itself. So Ben, there's the connection with um, Bristol City Football Club as well, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, we over the last couple of years developed a partnership with them, which meant that uh, we would facilitate their community development programmes, and that's that's been a tremendous success. We've gone for something that used to run courses for. Um, sort of eight to ten children to now 230 children that will turn up on a daily basis. It's a um, fantastic scheme. Children love it. The parents uh, enjoy it as well because it's uh, it's run by professional coaches as well. So it's, it's worked really well from, from both sides. Great to hear from Ben Ferris and congratulations to Bristol City. You've been named Southwest Checker Trade Community Club of the Year. Okay, Gregor, put your neck on the line then. What's the score going to be against Ipswich? They were thrashed 3-0 midweek. So can Bristol City hand out another thrashing? Uh, not a thrashing. I think it'll be close, but I yeah, I think it'll be two one to Bristol City. Who's going to score, Lewis Juni? Uh, <laughs> st- <laughs> steady on. Uh, I, I would go for um, Bobby Reed, and I think it's time we had uh, another Jamie Patterson goal. I want a Marlon Pack one because he does good good gifts. <laughs> Thanks so much, Gregor. Okay, if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us on there, and we'll be back next week. Robins on the wire.